Hello and welcome to End Credits here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I'm your host, Adam A. Donaldson, and joining me in a bit will be Peter Salmon, and he will join us for this week's review, which uh, I I usually do a little uh, bit here before talking about what the review is, but it is Mortal Kombat, which features a lot of uh, diversity in it, a lot of Asian actors, and it's funny because uh, we got an email, (laughs) CFRU programmers got an email uh, a couple of days ago from uh, programming director Christopher Curry saying that, you know, it is uh, Asian Heritage Month and we should be boosting Asian voices and Asian people uh, at this particular time. And uh, just by coincidence, um, we're reviewing Mortal Kombat, which features a great many Asian actors and uh, I guess also steals heavily from several different Asian cultures, given it's a martial arts movie. So we have that going for us, which is nice. Anyway, End Credits is a local movie show for local movie fans. We are here every Wednesday at 3 p.m. to talk the latest in pop culture and review the newest movies, which this week will be the new video game adaptation, as I said, Mortal Kombat, which you can now stream on premium VOD platforms from Cineplex to Google to YouTube to Apple and so on. To start the week, though, um, it doesn't really feel like it today, but it is technically, by the calendar, uh, summer movie season, <laughs> although there's not much being released because of the pandemic. But uh, as as we started last week, we have been uh, started this series where we are going to pay homage to summer movie seasons of the past, starting with well, last week, with uh, the summer of 1982. And we're going to continue this week with the summer of 1984, uh, which is also a movie you can stream on Shudder right now. But we're talking about the actual time and day, uh, months, whatever, the actual summer of 1984 and the movie releases that came out that summer. So starting on May 4th, uh, we get 16 Candles, which is... Uh, John Hughes's directorial debut, I believe he, I mean, he had written several movies before that, and um, he was uh, kind of primed to uh, kind of go off in his own uh, direction. He was a writer on National Lampoon's Vacation predominantly. Um, That's what kind of got him attention, but uh, several years or actually the next year, uh, Vacation came out in 83. But the next year in 84, he comes up with 16 Candles. And this establishes him as like the teen filmmaker because this starts off the trilogy of of uh, 16 Candles, Breakfast Club, and Ferris Bueller's Day Off, which he directed, the, the, those three. But at the same time, he also uh, did Weird Science, um, he wrote and produced Pretty in Pink, and uh, then the the year after Ferris Bueller's Day Off came out, he wrote and produced uh, Some Kind of Wonderful, which was kind of the last gasp of 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 his sort of shall we say teen years. <laughs> after that, he gets into um, like after Some Kind of Wonderful, he directed uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles that same year. Uh, he did She's Having a Baby, he wrote The Great Outdoors, he directed and wrote Uncle Buck, he wrote Christmas Vacation and Home Alone, um, 
And so that seems to have been sort of like he, he segued from the teen movies to uh, more uh, kid-friendly uh, fare after that. Um, I should also feel pointed out, given this is Asian Heritage Month, you know, there are some problematic things in Sixteen Candles uh, that are definitely of their time. I think, though, that um, there's a scene in all To All the Boys I Loved Before where the, the main character, who is of Asian descent, is watching Sixteen Candles, and it is broached that uh, there are some problematic things in that movie from uh, an Asian perspective. Um, but if if they're okay with it, I guess the rest of us can, you know, let live and let live. So we get to May 11th, we get a pretty interesting doubleheader. We get Firestarter. <laughs> um, it's the Stephen King story about the little girl who can start fires with her mind, and the government agency that is chasing her, and The Natural, uh, the baseball movie from Barry Levinson, starring Robert Redford, uh, about uh, a man gifted with tremendous natural um, baseball talent and, and his struggles um, to overcome his uh, the, the difficulties and the corruption of the game uh, to become a hero uh, in, in his own life and a hero to the son he never knew he had. It is uh, probably one of the, the two perfect baseball movies uh, to ever be released, uh, both uh, coming out in the 80s, you have uh, The Natural and Field of Dreams, uh, A League of Their Own might be a close second, uh, but I mean, those two are really the two perfect baseball movies, and of course The Natural has this uh, great score as well, that um, still gets... I mean, even if you haven't seen The Natural, you probably know the the music from it when um, the the Robert Redford character hits the baseball and all the the lights burst and the the swell of the score. Do 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 do. Anyway, I have to move on. Because um, speaking of great scores, May twenty third was when Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom came out. I think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, although. You're, you're at home yelling at your radio, and I am uh, not hearing you. But I think that the Temple of Doom score is probably the best of the Indiana Jones scores. Of uh, the four um, John Williams scores he did for the four Indiana Jones movies, Temple of Doom, I think, is the best. It has got, uh, like, even just listening to it, you're on the edge of your seat. Uh, when it came out, people were... Slade, because of its dark tones, um, the backstory is that both Steven Spielberg and George Lucas were kind of going through divorces at the time, so they <laughs> they were awash in dark thoughts. Also, George Lucas was like coming off of the end of Star Wars and looking to the future and perhaps uh, feeling a bit um, tired of it all. Spielberg, just coming off of the success of E.T., um, probably also the creative difficulties behind the scenes of Poltergeist. Uh, so there's a lot of stuff going on uh, behind the scenes when they're making uh, Temple of Doom. But the tremendous finale with the the roller cart chase through the mine and the 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 bridge over the canyon and uh, <laughs> Indiana Jones saying, prepare to meet Kali in hell and cutting it in half... Beautiful. One of the best Indiana Jones action sequences ever, I think. Uh, June 1st, we get Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. Uh, it's coming off of The Wrath of Khan. Um, 
so it, it already has a lot to live up to. The flip side is that if you're a fan of the original series, I think the Star Trek three is probably the one that sort of captures the spirit of camaraderie um, best out of a lot of the films featuring the original cast. That's just my opinion. But it really captures that uh, one all-for-one, one-for-all kind of mentality that you know, kind of carries over from the original series, that these this group of characters have each other's backs no matter what. And uh, I will stand by this. Christopher Lloyd as the Klingon commander. Mwah, I love it. He's, I think he's one of the great greater Star Trek villains. Um, there's a lot of really great one-liners, too. Uh, June 8th, you get the release of Gremlins and Ghostbusters on the same weekend. This would never happen now. You wouldn't get to, like, Supernatural-style films on the same weekend, let alone the one, like, Gremlins isn't, like, an explicit comedy. It has a lot of gallows humor, a lot of really <laughs> black humor, but, uh, it, I, I, so it's not, like, strictly a comedy, um, in, in how we might conventionally think of it, but there are some genuinely uh, funny bits in it. Although I should note, Wikipedia does say that it is a comedy horror. So there you go. Uh, Ghostbusters, meanwhile, is a supernatural horror, which I I think is kind of the same thing, but, you know, to each their own. Um, but yeah, you would not get these two movies coming out on the same weekend. And it's interesting that both the movies have kind of um, developed their own niches and their own audiences. Um, there's also been a lot of struggles on like trying to take these popular um, films and trying to readapt them for a modern audience, which you think would be easy because they're so beloved, but you really can't just capture that sense of time and place. Um, you know, the Ghostbusters. There's Ghostbusters Afterlife coming out this year, um, but the Ghostbusters uh, remake from 2016 by Paul Feig. Um, I mean, there was all that controversy. I don't want to revisit it. Um, but Gremlins, I mean, they've been trying for years to make a Gremlins 3 or do a Gremlins reboot. I think they're developing something, an animated series for HBO Max, and we'll have to see how that turns out. But it's interesting that these two movies come out in the same weekend, very much of a time and place, super popular, even amongst people who weren't alive when they originally came out, but they just can't be, they can't seem to be updated for a modern era. Also interesting to note that Top Secret, um, the the spy spoof from Abram Zucker and Zucker also came out that weekend, so I mean, there, there was a lot of funny on June 8th, 1984. Uh, Karate Kid is the next... Uh, film I'm going to mention uh, came out on June 22nd. Um, it's from the director of Rocky. Uh, so John Avildsen, I think that's how you pronounce his name. Uh, he um, went from Rocky. Well, he didn't go directly from Rocky to Karate Kid, but I mean, it's it's sort of easy to view rock, view the Karate Kid through the lens of its uh, martial arts Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> it's about this kid who um, is the underdog, tired of being um, stepped on. He's been bullied. He's trying to make a name for himself. He's trying to prove himself. Um, and he meets uh, a mentor who sort of shows him the path. Of course, that's Pat Morita as Mr. Miyagi. Interestingly, I totally didn't know this, but Pat Morita um, got an Academy Award for Best uh, not an Academy Award, but an Academy Award nomination for Best Supporting Actor for The Karate Kid. I do not believe he won. But, uh, 
it, it's it's interesting. I was never a big fan of the Karate Kid. Um, I was never big into karate or, or martial arts. Um, I was an indoors kid. <laughs> Although karate is indoors technically, but uh, I was never that big into martial arts or anything in a gym for that matter. So I I'm I'm not so much uh, of of the mind of uh, treating Karate Kid with the reverence that some people treat it with. On June 29th, you get Bachelor Party. Um, that was a big breakthrough for Mr. Tom Hanks. And you also get Conan the Destroyer. Um, interestingly, um, John Millis uh, took, a, took a powder on that. Um, he directed Conan the Barbarian. Instead, he directed a movie that came out later this summer, Red Dawn, which was part of a whole wave of uh, movies in, at, at this like midpoint in the 80s that are sort of re-energized by Reaganism and the, the evil empire um, mold that he was casting the Soviet Union in. It's a story about uh, the Soviet invasion of America's heartland and the, the scrappy bunch of super patriotic teenagers who decide to take it back. Um, it seems almost quaint. Of course, famously remade at the beginning of the 2010s, um, starring Chris Hemsworth and I think Josh Hutchinson from The Hunger Games. Uh, it didn't work because originally the bad guy was China, but then they changed it in post to North Korea because if you make China the bad guy, you can't sell a movie in China. Ugh, silliness. Anyway, um, July, tw uh, July 13th, uh, The Last Starfighter comes out, came out. Uh, might be the most well-known of the Star Wars rip-offs, uh, probably the most beloved. They still talk about doing some sort of reboot, re-energizing, remaking, something to do with Last Starfighter. It never materializes. Uh, that's a shame. I mean, I, I remember watching Last Starfighter, and it's, it's, it's interesting, but like even watching it as a kid, you recognize, I mean, it was very early computer graphics, um, so they sucked, but... They were noticeably sucky at the time. Let's just put it that way. Um, also coming out that weekend was Muppets Take Manhattan, which was the third Muppets movie after the Muppet movie and the Great Muppet Caper. Um, it's also kind of like the the end of... I don't want to say a trilogy, because they've made several Muppet movies since, but it was also sort of the end of kind of an, a Muppets era, because yeah, I think the Muppet show had ended a little bit before this came out. Um, but it, it also, you know, they, they never were never able to get another Muppet movie off the ground until like 1992, 93 with the Muppet Christmas Carol. And then you get into like Muppet Treasure Island and Muppets in Space. And it's just, that was around the time Disney bought the Muppets and they were trying stuff out and it just wasn't working <laughs> as well as it used to. It really seemed to have lost some steam. Um, the Muppets seem to, uh, again, be one of those things that, belong to a particular era, although they, they still keep turning up in things, but um, 1984 was where the last great um, Muppet trend came to an end. Um, on July 20th, you get uh, another double bill, The NeverEnding Story and Revenge of the Nerds. Um, Again, both kind of 80s. It's it's hard to imagine something like Revenge of the Nerds getting made today. Uh, on July 27th, you get Purple Rain. Um, it wasn't a hit at the time, but I think it's hard to um, 
it's hard to ignore uh, a more influential sort of rock film. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's centricity, not just to sort of um, musical films, the 80s, but also like Prince's like reputation and his... Um, his background and the mythology around Prince are inextricably tied to Purple Rain. And of course that album that came out with Purple Rain, probably still one of Prince's best. Um, so it's, it's, it's definitely worth mentioning. Um, I mentioned Red Dawn on August 15th to get the adventures of Buckaroo Banzai across the eighth dimension, which is a cult classic. But then on August 31st, you get Chud, which probably remains... <laughs> Um, better known for being sort of a shorthand for uh, ugliness as opposed to standing for what Chud is supposed to stand for, cannibalistic humanoid underground dwellers. Um, they have tried to reboot that since, but nothing will ever top the original Chud, at least to me. How about Mortal Kombat? Will the new Mortal Kombat top the original's campiness and 90s-ness and just the general awesomeness of Christopher Lambert, you know, in anything. Uh, we will find out after the break. You are listening to End Credits here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus, and Community Radio. Try down again. Is that the only move you know, mate? Yeah, yeah, put a shirt on, Magic Mike. And that was a clip from Mortal Kombat. It's the new film from Simon McQuad, and it stars Louis Tan, Jessica McNamee, Josh Lawson, Tadanobu Asano, Makad Brooks, Ludi Lin, Chin Han, Joe Taslam, and Hiroyuki Sanada. Joining us for Mortal Kombat this week is Peter Salmon. Peter, how are you doing today? Doing good, doing good. Just uh, living that life in, uh, in this COVID wave, you know? I'm just riding it, surfing through this virus stuff. It's going okay. I heard uh, good old Adam Donaldson got his first shot, so congrats <laughs> on that guy. Thank you, thank you. Um, <laughs> 48 hours of recovery time, but uh, hey... Um, it's it's worse than it's better than the alternative. Was there any side effects for you? 
Oh yeah, no, I uh I had chills. No, I wasn't queasy at all. I had chills. Um for well, I was fine for like the first twelve hours, then I got chills, and then um I had some insomnia that night. Ooh. And uh, then I didn't have much of an appetite the next couple of days, but uh, it wasn't queasiness. I just was not hungry. But yeah, I don't uh, like queasy, so that's good. I I prefer know. some of those flaws, a little chilly. Yeah, and that's I mean that's the thing that kept me going, and like the worst of the chills when you know it's yeah I you I it literally felt like someone was pouring liquid nitrogen into my into my chest so (laughs) that you know but that was the the one thought in my head the whole time it's like this is better than you know trying desperately to breathe on a ventilator so Mm -hmm. which i mean i lifelong asthmatic so that's uh, gasping for breath i i understand as a health condition not great to live with so Mm -hmm. i guess this is a long Long about way of saying uh, I would probably not survive Mortal Kombat. Uh, <laughs> Yo, who knows with that vaccine, man? <laughs> who knows? That's right. I am 5G enabled now. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> Peter, you wanted to dig into Mortal Kombat. So, yeah, Mortal uh, Kombat. Fighting well, games are the best, man. Well, probably didn't do much fighting watching Mortal Kombat. Uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, why did you want to review Mortal Kombat and uh, how did you like Mortal Kombat? Oh, well, I just, um, since, like, a young age, I, I know it's weird because I don't love action films, but I really like fighting games. I enjoy the, uh, you know, stadium of fighting games. Um, I didn't play Mortal Kombat to the 2007 uh, DC Mortal Kombat one, but prior to that, I was, I'm a, I'm a Soul Calibur guy, and I'm a, you know, I'm a, a Capcom guy, so I've been playing that since I can remember. And uh, since I was old enough, Mortal Kombat, it's 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 just such a phenomenal game. They're great party games, and I just I love them. I love them. They're they're a mixture of fantasy and then you know some action. And I just like pressing those buttons. I'm just a, mm. I'm a button presser. I'm a button presser. I like those kinds of smartphone games where it's just pressing buttons, a lot of mashing and such. Um, and I just uh, I don't know. I thought it was about time. I, I have seen the uh, 1997 one and. I enjoyed it as a youth, but I was a youth. I, I don't know, looking back, if uh, I would give it a good review. But um, that's the reason I was glad there was a, a new uh, Mortal Kombat. Um, and I thought this Mortal Kombat was okay. I think it was a good film. I think mm-hmm. it's a good film if you like action. If you want a really good, um, you know, like, dialogue kind of film, this isn't this isn't <laughs> your go-to. But it, it is a really great, well-done action film at least the uh action in it the choreography i thought was really stunning it was a lot better than the more recent action films i've seen you know the infinity war it's like you know, the shots are like four seconds long right and it's all cgi whereas this was a lot of really traditional um martial art fighting and i i, I liked that i liked that quite a bit there was mm-hmm. that my only main flaws are ones that it left out some elements from the video game but a few of those things I think are understandable for the film and the direction they want to go. Um, but for example, anybody listening, you, you might already know if you read, but Johnny Cage is just, he's, he's absent. He is not in this film. There is no Johnny Cage. So that was, uh, mm-hmm. I hadn't looked into it at all. That was a little disappointing at first. And um, that was about it. He was the only kind of major guy that wasn't there. Um, mm-hmm. And, well, I don't want to spoil anything, but, but there, there is a reasoning why. 
he wasn't in it. So that made me a bit more okay with it. Um, <laughs> they're saving him for the sequel. That's the yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're saving him for the sequel. Um, which I think is a really smart choice. And I do really, I, I love uh, a lot of their cast. And I think there was a couple actors. I'll look into their names that weren't that great. But uh, there was a few mm. that I, I really, um, I thought were wonderful. Uh, the actor from Lost who was in it playing uh, Sub-Zero, Joe Taslam. Oh, no, sorry, not Sub-Zero. Um, the uh, Scorpion, um, Hiraku Sonata from Lost. I love him. I thought he was really I thought he was really great in this. It wasn't like a major role, but it was, yeah, mm-hmm. it was good what he did. His um, kind of fight in the beginning and then and then especially his fight at the end uh, was really great with, with uh, Sub-Zero. Mm-hmm. Well, well, sort of with Sub-Zero. <laughs> yeah. Would it be with uh, B- Bihan, I think, or... Um, Oh, what's the name of the villain? You you know what I'm talking about. Anyways, yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, was, it was some great yeah. fights. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. What are your thoughts? Uh, <laughs> well, I um, I was a teenager when Mortal Kombat came out, the arcade version. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I remember playing that at the the corner store. Um, I rem- I also remember Mortal Monday, which was the <laughs> <laughs> Which was the day in, uh, I think it was August 1993, when um, Mortal Kombat came out on all the platforms of the time, which were like Super Nintendo and Genesis and Game yeah. Boy. Um, I s- still have my Super Nintendo somewhere, and I do have the OG Mortal Kombat. Um, so, you know, it, it, there are a lot of fond memories for me. But like playing mm. arcade games growing up, it was Mortal Kombat and it was the X-Men arcade game. Oh, like, the X-Men with the Capcom one? or um, Oh, no, that's... Uh, yeah, no, the, the like Marvel vs. Capcom one or the uh, just solely X-Men one? No, no, it was just... It was X-Men. Yeah, the... Yeah. As, uh, you could play as Cyclops, Storm, Wolverine... I can't remember the fourth person you can, but then you could like, if you got into trouble, you could like summon another X-Men. Yeah. So you could like, summon Archangel or Iceman and Iceman would just slide in and freeze everybody and, and slide away. So, uh, slightly off topic, but, um, the, let me, let me, let me phrase it this way. Uh, I wish, <laughs> I wish that they had gone the route of the 95 movie, the, the Paul W.S. Anderson one. Cause there so was, you, you wish that it was actually during the tournament? Yes. And, and Yeah, I get that. I, that's the main thing <laughs> I was worried about at first, because I did know that. <laughs> what, what you really have to do, and, you know, this... Maybe you should, this shouldn't be something you have to do. Is it? You know, is it a good film if you have to do this? You need to view it as a prologue. You, you really do. It's a prologue to the series that they're hoping for. And I think with the HBO success, it, it will continue. Um, and when looking at it that way, it was well done. But no, it's it's yeah. There's no tournament. And I like hate, I said, I, there's no there's no Johnny Cage, right? It's it's really it's strange, but it's a good segue into what's to come um also the fact that um it's like a segue and it's kind of a new uh story i i did not like the new character i did not like him cole, you, did you, you didn't like cole no uh no i did not like cole cole whatever i the whole time i i was like who is this guy like i i guess i never play as him no and he's just i know he was a real um i don't know what the right word would be he's kind of a kind of a loser i guess I, he's kind of 
No, he's not kind a of give a loser. Up or, he's a he's, loser. He's a loser. Yeah, <laughs> I really, I'm not, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan they, of him. I understand the, the idea of like creating like a non, uh, or creating an original character who could sort of like be the audience surrogate in this, and I understand that impulse, but Cole has no arc. Cole no. starts out as a crappy MMA fighter. He is recruited because he has this dragon tattoo, which is something that's not part of the original mythology at all. It's just that you, <laughs> the whole point of Mortal Kombat is uh, this so monster the world. The right. The, the monster world gets all its best fighters, and the Earth world gets all its best fighters. And, yeah, it's and away you go. the fighting. Um, right, and so he stinks. And I th- I think that was their way of just making it making the the union the unionization of all the uh, characters quicker. Do you know what I mean? They just they, it was a quick exam, um, excuse for why they in just like the first ten minutes the main protagonists were able to you know kind of group together. It's know? just it's and so instead of extra long uh, prologues for each character and where they're from. Well, this is it. This is why I like the Paul W. S. Anderson one. It's like it's an economy of story. I don't need complex backgrounds. I don't need to know that so and so has a family. I don't need to know that uh, Sonia has been like trying to uncover the mysteries of Mortal Kombat for like years. Uh, like I, I hate that whole mythologizing of this, where uh, you know they go to Sonia Sonia Blade's hideout and she has like one of those conspiracy walls with like newspaper clippings. It's like I've been trying to get to the bottom of Mortal Kombat for years, and it's like yeah. no. No, just go to Mortal Kombat. I don't yeah. care. I don't care about walking through the desert trying to find Raiden's hideout or whatever. I care about going to the tournament and starting Mortal Kombat. And the, the thing with the Cole character to bring that back to him is, um, basically his superpower becomes because he's always getting his ass kicked. But his superpower is, you kick my ass and it will. You know, I can absorb the energy from you beating the crap out of me and then use it to, like, throw a couple of punches so I can basically kind of try and save myself. And <laughs> it just, it's so empty. And then at the yeah. end, like, the, the the reason why Scorpion comes back, you find out that Cole is, like, a, a an ancient dis- or a descendant from, from yeah, Scorpion. Yeah. It's like, it's because Sub-Zero is kicking Cole's ass so badly, he's bleeding all over this artifact and then frees Scorpion from the underworld or something so that Scorpion can fight Sub-Zero and Cole can, like, sit it out because he's obviously worthless. And it's it's just, this is what we're building our movie around? Okay. (laughs) And, um... (laughs) But see, you just said you wish they kind of uh, delved into less, explained less... That's interesting because one of my main complaints was they didn't really like explain fully what was going on with 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 Bihan, you know, the the noob noob Saboits. Like they didn't, yeah. Like it wasn't very in depth. It was just kind of he went from Sub Zero to that, and I thought that I, I thought that was a little. I think people who hadn't played the games would be kind of confused. Like where's Sub Zero? Who's who's this guy? Right? Um, I disagree. I don't need to th- know anything about Sub Zero. He has ice okay. powers. He's a ninja with ice powers, and that's all I need to know. Yeah, you I don't like need to know his man. life You're story. Yeah. You're a newbie. Um, <laughs> yeah, I get I get that. I get that, I guess. I guess. Um, I, I, I like Sub-Zero. Like, but... but then there's a guy who looks like Darth Vader, and that's never explained. It's like, why is this Darth Vader guy walking around? And oh, it's uh, never... Cabal? Or... Cabal, yeah. But he looks like that in the video games, right? 
I understand, but they explain some things and they don't explain others. It just, you know, I get, I, I get that. I'm fine if you want to have the Darth Vader guy running around, mm-hmm. but you know, I'm if if I can buy that, I can buy that. Here's this ninja with ice powers, and his name's Sub Zero. I don't need to know that he, you know, had, <laughs> was part of this clan that had beef with um, Hiroyuki Serana's clan. Yeah, yeah, I don't, Scorpion. I don't care. <laughs> um. <laughs> I also thought, uh, I don't know if it was the vo- I think the, the voice, Cabal, I don't think it was a very good voice. I don't think it was a very good, good voice. I don't think it was a good pick for it. That, um, the, that doesn't keep me up at night. I thought, I thought that voice was fine. was fine. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I also, I'm on your side. I think it was weird they didn't explain it. Because they did explain why um, Jax becomes the way he looks, right? And mm-hmm. um, the uh, Superstore dude. Um Cano, right? Yeah. Superstore, dude. Yeah, Josh Lawson. Uh, That's the thing, Kano. Here's the thing. I love his character in Superstore. I did not think Kano was done that well. I don't don't know. What are are your thoughts? I didn't think his Scottish accent was very... uh, Well, I didn't think think it was great. I guess it was supposed to be more of like a kind of Glasgow kind of voice. So I, I, you know, but whatever. I could have swore he was Australian. Oh, maybe. Maybe he's Australian. Oh, you know what? Yeah, he is. Sorry. <laughs> so that's, yeah, that's okay. You know what? He, I didn't know, but Josh Lawson is Australian himself. So I guess it was mm-hmm. maybe kind of real. Um, I honestly I thought I guess this was one of the best I, parts. You know, well, I feel bad, uh, but I, yeah, I thought he was Irish. So I was kind of, that was a, that was a very well done Australian accent. It was very well done. <laughs> Uh, well, I, I, what kind of what kind of like uh, kind of fictionalized, hyperbolized Australian toughies? It doesn't look like what I expect. It looks more like kind of Irish, but whatever. I that's I think I would have expected him to be taller. But um, if that's the case, he was great. He was probably my favorite. That was very yeah. That was that was his legit one. He's Australian man. So yeah, you know what, Josh Lawson, I take back my comments and I I apologize. Quite frankly, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, I, I accept your apology on his behalf. Yeah, um, he was funny. He was funny. <laughs> he, I mean, yeah, he was one of the better. I mean, I don't, I don't have too many problems with the casting. I, one, I no, do no, appreciate. No, no. There was a couple that weren't that great, but I, no, no, I there, do there appreciate was some good ones. that they went out of the way to like put a lot, a lot of the decent actors in, in into the roles, considering yeah. like the 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 origins and like the 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 frank culture tripping that the 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 video game does sort of yeah. like blatantly taking from various asian cultures but i mean i mean it it was refreshing that um there was such diversity in the film yeah. with uh, a lot of different asian actors and well and the uh, lucan he's a uh, chinese canadian which is cool mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. Chinese-born Canadian, mm-hmm. so that's tight. Good on Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, also, um, I was okay. With, I was hesitant at first with Jax, but I, I thought Jax was done well. I um, I really like uh, McCad Brooks, but uh, I don't know if you've ever watched it. I only know him from Desperate Housewives, and his like <laughs> character storyline is just like a ripoff of of Mice and Men. <laughs> so it's really <laughs> I kind of look at him as the dude that kills his, you know, his older. Special brother, right? I just, yeah. Um, 
interesting. I don't think I ever saw that season of Desperate Housewives. Yeah, it's 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 they they're because you know each season there's new people in the one house, right? It's their family, uh, and, and yeah, they're hiding the of mice and men guy. Um, what's that? The, what's, what's that? Alfrey Woodard was the mom. Um, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I don't think I saw that, but uh, I, 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 I I thought he was good in this too. I was just really hesitant because he's not. He's not what I would expect Jax to be. He's, he's, you know, from what I knew him in. But he was, no, he was, he was a good, he was at a proper buff level in this. And uh, I thought his acting was good. I didn't he, um, recognize he, him. He gave I, a lot I, of heart. He, he gave a lot of heart, which was, yeah. uh, which is needed for Jax. Yeah, I didn't even recognize him. I know him from, like, I know him from True Blood. He was on, he was yeah. like season two of True Blood. He was on He's a good supporting Super, actor. Yeah, he was on Supergirl for years. As Jimmy Olsen, so uh, yeah, I mean, it just it I, it took me a while to click in that I recognized. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, Machad book, uh, Brooks. And but I, I yeah. also really enjoyed how it seems like Jax and Sonya Blade might have something, which I think would be that'd be really cool. I know um, Sonya Blade marries uh, marries the, the other guy in the video games, but. Um, yeah, no, I don't. I I'm think I think in Johnny Cage, she marries Johnny Cage, but uh, I think I in this would be okay if uh, Jack. I don't care. I don't yeah. care. I don't. I, I don't. I don't come to Mortal Kombat for the romance. But you I want the fighting. You want the fighting. I well, just... the, the fighting was good. You not think the fighting was good in this? Like when it, it thinks solely about, like exclusively about the fighting combat scenes. Do you think it was it was done well? I thought Luke Kane did well. There, his I mean, jump ups and his kicks. I thought that was done well. Well, there was a lot of stuff. I, I don't know if there was any like straight up memorable fight, and I think what what where the movie kind of loses a bit is uh, the director whose name I want to get right here is uh, Simon McQuaid. Yeah, um, is, is he comes from commercials, and I wish oh, they would. Oh, I know. <laughs> I mean, I've watched them. He of... has all of his available. They're amazing. They've uh, they played a couple of his in the past few years at the. Um... Well, not they. We haven't done it into, but like from like around 2012 to 2018, they played a number of his at the um, bookshelves uh, commercial festivals, best commercials. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he did some really good ones for uh, for France and um, some uh, Disney ones. Okay, well that's that's all fine and good, but I I wish they had gone with like someone who like someone like a Chad Strahovski or. Like Gareth Evans, like from the Raid movies, like someone who knows how to film fights, um, because I feel like there's a you lot quick, of emphasis too quick. on, yeah, there's like a lot of quick. I mean, there's also like the end is just like this fight salad where we're cutting back <laughs> and forth between five different fights, and it's like yeah, there could have been a really cool like just soul. Sub Zero Scorpion, even even longer, even more of uh, production to its. Uh, scenery and their, their well that's where the tournament right that's where the tournament format be- it becomes a real asset because in a tournament there's one fight at a time yeah but having said that i mean i mean it, it just there there's too much emphasis on the effects and the blood and not so much on like the martial arts and the the physicality and i mean there there are I don't need it to be like explicitly realistic. And there's like at least one scene where um, what's his face with the hat? Um, uh, what's his face with the hat? Kung Lao. Yeah. Uh, 
where he takes off the his hat. For people who aren't listening, his hat becomes a razor blade, and that's his like power. It's like the Captain yeah. America shield, but it cuts people in half. Um, <laughs> so he takes off the hat and he he jumps up and he he rides this like bat creature into his hat, cutting it in half. <laughs> And he hops off, flips the hat back on, and adjusts it, and he says, flawless victory. And it's like, that's Mortal Kombat. That's- yeah, that I liked. I thought you were going in a bad direction with that. No, no, the usage of this hat was done right. It's like, these. this last 90 seconds is the Mortal Kombat movie I want. Mm-hmm. I don't care about Cole. I don't care about walking around the desert. I don't care about... You know, I just want cool kills and cool fighting. And it just... It takes forever to get, and I was yeah. watching. I was literally watching the clock. I was like, "Okay, we're at thirty minutes. We're not even, you know, meeting up with Raiden yet." Okay, we're at forty minutes. We're at Raiden's house. When's the tournament? Fifty minutes. Still no tournament. Oh, you didn't know. Oh. <laughs> it's like, when are we? I, I was like, Millhouse. Like, when are we going to get to the Mortal Kombat tournament? Oh no! See, I knew that. I, I didn't. I didn't know that. Um... I didn't know that Johnny Cage wasn't in it. That was my sad surprise. And, then, and I always and, forget his name, but I really like the one, like, uh, character two in the Mortal Kombat, too. Um, he has a gun. I like him. He's kind of like a cowboy kind of dude with a gun. Um, and he wasn't in it. But I think that's fair. There, none of the uh, none of the Mortal Kombat characters that have, like, a firearm or the ones that do just didn't – it wasn't used, which is cool. It, it's, you know, it's um, – double those martial arts you know and guns aren't yeah. really a part of I that mean, but there was there was yeah, a few characters missing out yeah and that's i i i, I like all the characters i mean they also had reptile they turned reptile into like a cg glee clop rather than just having him I as a guy but, yeah but i didn't think that was done very well i hated that it's yeah. just like cgi to a minimum focus on the martial arts focus on the fighting i want to hear bones crunch i want to hear yeah. <laughs> i want to hear like Fists make contact. Um, let me enjoy the fight. Like it, you, I can't enjoy the fight if we're cutting back and forth between like four different fights. It's just it. it I, and, and I, I also appreciate that that Simon McQuad is also like a commercial director. But on the other hand, too, mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff in this that just doesn't look very good. Like the the scene in the the Australian desert, you know, looks good because that's just good location. But I mean. Yeah. You get to like Raiden's mountain fortress or whatever, it looks like garbage. And uh, there's a scene in like a junkyard where Sonya Blade's secret hideout is, and it looks like it just. Um, there were a few. It, fight I don't know scenes that like, I thought looked okay, but that's because yeah. they were very um, uh, impressively, or in a very impressive way, they were similar to some of the actual, you know, um, stages in Mortal Kombat. Um, right. there was like pretty like stuff. pretty spot on but there was just a few yeah. of those there was some stuff that looked good like like outworld um was really cool looking i wish we mm-hmm. spent some more time at outworld the the final fight with sub-zero and scorpion where it's like in the the frozen mma cage looked really cool but it, it just you know it, it couldn't even you know this director comes from a world where Making stuff look good is the priority because you you have like twenty to thirty seconds to sell something. Yeah, so you have to get those visuals right, and he just couldn't get the visuals right. Um, no, it was a lot of really cliche um, yeah. cinematography. I think the one to me that was kind of the most you know eye roll was uh, at the very beginning when Sub Zero he's out like getting some water and he hears like the screams of his family dying, 
and like runs back. Mm-hmm. That's just that's been done so many times, right? Somebody, somebody walking away, they hear some screams, run back, their loved one's dead. That's you know, that's that's we've heard that. It was just very. I found a cliche. Um, well, I mean, yeah, that's the, I, what I, I was taking notes while writing, writing yeah, it. Yeah, cliche this, shots. This idyllic scene of of um, Hanzo Hash. Hanzo Hashashi and his son and his wife and his newborn child. I wrote down like somebody's gonna die because that's that's, that's what this is set up to do. It's like somebody's gonna die because you have to set up uh, some character's motivation uh, because uh, revenge always plays a role in these in in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. But I mean, I like that kind of stuff. I I get and and you know. Revenge was part of, if I'm remembering the eight, the '95 Mortal Kombat movie that um, Liu Kang has a a revenge angle. I think trying to get revenge for it. His brother was supposed to participate in Mortal Kombat, but his brother mm. is killed before, um, so he goes into Mortal Kombat. So I mean, I, I, that's that's like kind of all the character motivation I need. I just what what I don't need is like. Oh, Cole Young, you used to be a good MMA fighter. Now you suck. Now we need Cole Young. <laughs> but you have a tattoo, so we kind of need you or something. Yeah. It's just like that kind of stuff. I just, I don't need. I just, Paul W.S. Anderson had it right. 90 mm-hmm. minutes. I get my Luke Kang. I get my Johnny Cage. I get my Sonya Blade. Raiden comes in. He calls them all crap and says that they need to be less crappy to save the world. They go into the tournament. Fight, 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 fight. Get to the last guy. Luke, uh, Luke Kang fights. What's his name? Shang Chi or Chang Sung. That's it. Um, and and you know, defeat. End of story. Um, then the, you know, leave it open for a sequel where somehow Christopher Lambert be- magically becomes James Remar. But that's another story. <laughs> uh, but it's just that's it. That's all I need. Yeah. And I just want to say, I love Chin Han. He's a great actor, but he played Shang Tsung like it was Lawrence Olivier doing Hamlet. And it was, yeah, too forceful. It was, it was, a it was little, trying too hard to, to make it like the kind of thing that would get an Oscar. <laughs> no, I was like, no, why are you? Don't expect that kind of thing. Just, you know, don't overact. He I was know what you mean, he's great armor. in Dark Knight, but yeah, yeah. no, it was... He was wearing that armor like it was Shakespeare in the park, and it's yeah. just... It's that... No. You, mm-hmm. it's, you're not going to win an Oscar playing the film combat, Jinan, but... Yeah. I, I appreciate the seriousness and the dedication you're exhibiting here, but having said that... Uh, yeah, it's just... Uh, I don't, no, no disrespect to Jin Han, who's a great actor, and um, is, is a has turned up in a number of small but uh, memorable roles. Yeah, in Hollywood. Hmm. Well, good old Hollywood. Good old um, Hollywood, which again, doesn't often know what to do with Asian actors or use Asian actors well. And this is an instance where we're using Asian actors well. Uh, I just yes. wish that, Yeah, I'm glad you said that. That, you know, just... It, it's overstuffed. And I never thought I would say like... A, and here's the thing about Mortal Kombat 2 is... Even, you know, video game ad- adaptations have only been a thing for, like, 25 years, because video games have only been a thing for, like, 40 years. But mm-hmm. Mortal Kombat is, like, one of the most adapted um, properties. Yeah, one of the ones that's been games. made, too. Yeah, films and uh, web series the most, right? Right, there were two films. And, uh, especially if you're including reference in other media. Gosh darn. <laughs> right, everywhere. There were, 
there was uh, the the ninety five movie, the ninety seven sequel, uh, and then uh, Kevin Ten. I'm gonna get his name on Kevin Tancherian uh, did a a short that was then turned into a web series. Um, yeah, that's the one I, I've I've watched some of them. It's well done. The web series is really good. Mortal it's Kombat. Great, yeah. It's it's a lot of fun. Um, and again, I mean, but Kevin uh, Tancherian, I think, has that background where um, he he was a uh, did dancing and like fight choreography and things like that. Um, or maybe just dance choreography. But I mean, so so he understands like sort of the fluidity of movement and um, how best to capture that on film, even though it's like two different skills, dancing and fighting. But he he understands that and which is one of the reasons why that that web series stood out was just because he really knew how to capture the fighting and to to let physical actors show their physicality and and show their physicality well um which is just again something i really wish (laughs) i really wish they had gotten somebody who knew who knows martial arts and knows how to film martial arts yeah i i I don't know if i fully agree i think a lot of the fights were good but um yeah if you're comparing it to the first mortal Kombat and some of the other works you said there was definitely some flaws Uh, like i pointed out i do think ludi lin i think he did a really great job and I thought Makad Brooks, I thought he did a great job. Um, but mm-hmm. there was, yeah, there was some that didn't really, you know, it was it was whatever. Um, yeah, like Cole Young, was, I wasn't really paying attention to his fightings. Um, <laughs> and uh, I mean, Lord, was, Raiden, I be- Lord Raiden was kind of disappointing because in the games he can, like, morph into different animals. There's, there's a lot more really fun specials that could have incorporated into his action. But, um, yeah, there was a few good fighting ones, but like you said... Especially because it's a film, its main focus should be on the fighting. It, it it's 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 far from perfect. Mm-hmm. Well, Lu Wen, um, or Louis Tan, I should say, um, ha- has a, a a background in fighting, or mm-hmm. at least a background in stunt work. He he was a stuntman before he was an actor, so um, he could have easily done something i don't know it, it i just, just think it would have been better if it wasn't such a lame fighting style right like what you were saying it was just kind of it was a real huge focus on like defense and such you know i wanted to see some it's... more dope swings from him. i wanted to see those fists flying around some kicks some better kicks you know well the way it's the way it was resolved is like he's a crappy fighter you're like yeah. he's, he's, he's he's you know he used to be good but now he's uh, bad you know so the, the natural arc is like how does he recover like how does he get a power that first of all why is he bad now is it just because he's old because he's given up because uh you, you know he was injured one too many times or like and then yeah you know, no, they don't explain they it have to explain to why, yeah why, why is he crappy because you can't resolve the question of why is he crappy until you tell us why he's crappy, which is one of these. I don't want to say plot hole because I think plot holes an overused turn of phrase. It just it seems like nobody really answered the <laughs> thought to answer the question. What what is Cole Young's um, modus operandi? Why why has he gone from a, a championship fighter to a crummy fighter? And then what does he want to get out of this you know tournament rather than just being like. Uh, 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 basically an accessory. It's you know, Jax picks him up, and then he's turned over to to Sonya, and then he's turned over to Raiden, and and then mm-hmm. 
it, it just you know what 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 is his animus and it's that that the, the reason the, the film for me never really takes off is because we're never really given an explanation about why this lead figure in this big movie is doing the things he does and because of that it's it's kind of and it, i'm just gonna say this too it's 20 minutes too long it is, yeah. That's what I was thinking. What kind of like action film based on a video game is near two hours? Like that's that's stupid. Why? Nobody... Why would why would they decide to do that? Whatever. Nobody who loves Mortal Kombat has <laughs> the um... need for two hours, well, ninety minutes. Has now the that's great. Span to sit there for an hour and fifty minutes. That's you know you you are you know anyway. Yeah. Also, there's a lot of Twitch Twitch uh, videos that are just the regular Mortal Kombat. So <laughs> you can watch yeah. that. It's it's awesome. Um, but I I've I, I've been going off a lot of what you said. I do agree. It's not a great film. I do think I seem to enjoy it a bit more than you. I think some of the fights paid off, um, and I think there was enough references to like the current Mortal Kombat that if you're like a fan, you might you know you might enjoy that. I like the incorporation of you know time travel was was cool. Um, there was a lot of a lot of uh, you know, like Sonya Blade currently, she's got kids and everything like that, right? So I'm serious. I'm, I'm curious kind of what will happen in, in those regards. Um, but I think it was also wise in that sense to start it fresh so they could really, like I said, she could be with Jax, right? Who knows what's going to happen? Um, and some good fighting, but overall, yeah, not, not. I'm on your side. I don't think it was a great <laughs> film, but I do think if you like the game, that I, I do think I do think you should watch it. All right, next time let's have Mortal Kombat in Mortal Kombat. Hey, we'll uh, get Mortal Kombat too. It 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 probably <laughs> will happen. It is it has been very successful. It is yeah. Successful. Anyway, Peter, if people want to talk more about Mortal Kombat or any of their favorite video games, where can people find you on the internet? Well, solely Mortal Kombat. Actually, <laughs> um, uh, uh, Mr. Tarak on YouTube and Twitter, and good old Peter Wesley Salmon on TikTok. So modern. So present. And yeah, that's it. That's it for me. All right, perfect. And that's it for this week's show. We hope you liked it. And if you want to listen to it again, you can find it on our website, endcreditsradioshow.com. You can download it from the Guelph Politicast channel every Friday at Podbean, or you can get it through your favorite podcast app at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And speaking of Spotify, you can get the playlist for most of the music that you hear on End Credits. Just open your Spotify app and search for End Credits on CFRU. You can find us on social media on Facebook at End Credits Radio Show and on Twitter at End Credits Radio. I'll be back here tomorrow at 5 p.m. for news and politics on Open Sources Guelph with Scotty Hertz. In the meantime, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Adam A. Donaldson, or you can go to my political site at guelphpolitico.ca. Stay tuned for more great programming here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus, and Community Radio. We will be back next Wednesday at 3 p.m. for another edition of End Credits, and we will see you then. Mm-hmm.